Hey, everyone, and welcome to the State of the Art Podcast with me, your host, Ethan Appleby. I'm very excited to bring you along as I dive into conversations with amazing people who are at the intersection of art and technology. Each week, you'll hear a different angle about how tech is bringing radical change in the way all of us interact with art. We have on artists to first-time collectors, as well as CEOs from some of the top digital art companies. We'll also look at the effects social media sites and crowdsourcing platforms are having on the art world and explore how other creative industries, such as music and fashion, were democratized using technology. Before we get started, I want to tell you about Bango. If you're looking to spruce up your space and add inspiration to your home or office, there's no better way than original art. And Bango is changing the way we discover art from some of the best emerging artists. So visit bangoart.com or download the Bango app on iTunes and use promo code State of the Art to get 15% off your first purchase. Now, allow me to welcome today's guest. In this episode, I'm excited to welcome the CEO of Art.com, Kira Wample. Kira has been a formidable force in the tech world for more than 20 years. Previously, the CMO of Lyft and Trulia, Kira played a key role in making Lyft a serious contender in the ride-sharing space. She's now been at Art.com for just over a year and is changing the way people engage with art. Today, I talked to Kira about why she's excited to bring what she's learned in the tech world to art, how she's applied her liberal arts degree to help company cultures and customers overcome change, and how data can play a huge role in recommending art. So please, allow me to welcome today's guest, Kira Wampler. So yeah, hey, Kira, CEO of Art.com, it's great to have you on the State of the Art podcast. Great. Thanks for having me. So, you know, it's it's exciting because this is all about the conversation on art and technology. And, you know, your Art.com and .com is literally synonymous with technology. So I'm going to hear, you know, looking over the bay, it's gorgeous. I mean, it makes it easy to come to work when you can look over the city every day. It's very inspiring. The, the view and the art in the office is very inspiring. Great. And so I'm excited to talk about that. But before we do, mm-hmm. I want to understand, I want to know more about your dog and how it won the most powerful <laughs> puppy in tech. How did this happen? <laughs> you know, to be honest, I actually have no idea. Okay. And the way I found out that the article um, was out was I got an email from a sales, you know, someone trying to sell me something. Yeah. And they were like, hey, and I, you know, and by the way, I saw your dog is the most powerful puppy in Silicon Valley. And I was like, what are you talking about? So then I did a quick Google search and we were laughing so hard. My kids thought it was awesome because, you know, they're like, oh my gosh, you know, so they're telling everyone because it happened around 4th of July. Yeah. And so we were with family um, and they're telling everyone, and Zane is, you know, Zane is right after you know, the Snap CEO, I mean, they were like, you know, because they're deep Silicon Valley yeah. kids too. Like they know it's not Snapchat, yeah. Snap. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I, I think, you know, I share a lot. I mean, I'm on Instagram. I've been on, I mean, I've been in social media for like, I'm an OG kind of social media person. Yeah. I mean, way back when I was at Intuit, I started our our Twitter handles for QuickBooks and Intuit like back in 07. 
So I've been on a lot of these tools for a long time. And because I've always been really interested in art and photography, I actually joined Instagram when I was at Lytro, when I was at the camera company. Um, so that would have been 2010, 2011, but, you know, back in the early days of Instagram. So I share a lot and my dog is sort of easy to share pictures. Of. Does he have his own handle? He doesn't have his own handle. Okay. I haven't gone that far. Mostly I have zero time. So yeah. I don't have time to manage more than one handle. It's just, you know. So any any tips? So of, buyer beware when okay. you come and follow me on Instagram. It's like cute kids, my dog that's mostly in funny sleeping positions. My husband is a chef. It's occasional photos of his food, and then as much art and beauty as I can share in the world. So you come from what? You've been you mentioned Lytro, into it. You were at Lyft. Truly, I mean, you've been in what the tech industry for twenty years. Yeah, I started when I was ten. Okay. For everyone who's just All listening, right, perfect. Okay. When you were ten, <laughs> um, I mean. How has that experience helped you in in your new role as yeah. the CEO of Art.com and, mm-hmm. and sort of revolutionizing an industry that um, you know hasn't really been revolutionized yet, and you know a company that's you know eighteen plus years old. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think you know my the the single biggest lesson that you learn over and over and over again um, as a product and marketing leader in tech is is to be customer driven yeah. and and to really lead customer first. And I think the mistake that a lot of folks make is they think being customer driven means I do what customers tell me to do. And that's not what that means. Um, I mean, and now having done enough, you know, bleeding edge tech or early tech, um, you know, I mean, Lyft is a great example. I mean, John and Logan, when they started Lyft, no one was doing um, peer to peer car sharing. I mean, you weren't getting in someone someone's personal car when they started Lyft, yeah. right? Um, and as kids, we grew up being told, you know, don't get in a stranger's car, um, right? And so you can't ask, you couldn't ask someone, hey, would, do you do you want to get in a stranger's car? Yeah. No one would say yes to that. <laughs> yeah, 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 right. Or sleep on a stranger's couch. Or sleep on a stranger's couch. Or you know, what if you know? Do you want to use a camera that looks like a lipstick for a giant woman? Yeah. You know, it's like, what are you talking about? But you know, do you want to have an experience? Like, tell me about what you're trying to do with photography. Tell me about what you're trying to do with self-expression online. I mean, when we, when we launched Lytro in 2011, you know, it was way early. I mean, we, I mean, Instagram and, and uh, some of those tools back then was just like about filters. I mean, it wasn't about interaction and engagement with a picture, right? Um, and so what you're really trying to understand from customers when you're customer-driven is what are the problems that they're experiencing um, how will technology help solve that problem in a unique way, in a faster way, in a more affordable way, in a more delightful way? Yeah. And it, it's almost never the case that it's because someone told you exactly what to do, but it's more about really deeply understanding what those what those pain points are. And also, I would say not being um, judgmental about those pain points, you know, right? Interesting. What do you mean by that? Um, meaning, so... so so you could imagine um, that, I mean, you know, we'll take Lyft as an example. Um, it might seem crazy to a different generation that you absolutely need a car to come to you in two minutes or less. Yeah. No one could imagine in big cities <laughs> yeah. their Lyft not coming to them in two minutes or less. But that seems like a frivolous or potentially could be like a judgmental. I'm so guilty right. of that. I was just at my parents' <laughs> home in the suburbs of Virginia. And, you know, yeah, I think it's a 
six to eight minutes for my lift to come. And I was just and like, like oh, a little God. impatient, right? Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, and to me, I think this is where I, I believe the best innovators and, and the folks who are really wielding technology for consumer good and how we think about here at, at art.com. One are constantly impatient with their own experience. Um, and two, as a result of being impatient with their own experience, they also understand that customers' expectations are always going to continue to increase. And I used to say this, I mean, I've said this for years, that like the bar for easy, the bar for simplicity goes up every, used to be every year. Yeah. Now it's at least every quarter, if not every month. Because their experiences out in the world, whether it's other websites that they're using to shop, apps that they're using, um, social networks that they're on that are offering new services, the experiences they're having IRL, like in real life that are, you know, dynamic and engaging and inspiring. All of those things are things that we compete with, you know, right? Even if we're not direct competitors, sure. we're still competing for people's time and attention and, and energy, right? Not just yeah. their wallets. Um, and so, so to me, it's that, that critical, um, trait of being customer driven and applying that trait to, and, and that those frameworks around, you know, whether it's, I mean, from accounting software to, you know, fashion, when I first got out here to art today, to ride sharing, you know, I think having that, that customer driven DNA is critical. And then having the frameworks and the way to, and I'm going to use kind of an annoying corporate word, but the way to operationalize being customer driven is really critical. I mean, we're a company of, you know, over 600 people, uh, 200 ish people here in, in Emeryville. And so it can't all just be like, do you have gut intuition about customers? That's not, that that's not sustainable and that's not actionable. So you really have to have, um, frameworks, tools, shared data and mindset, um, and, and a, a full sort of arsenal of, of uh, tools and support to help people really be customer-driven. Yeah. Um, is it the, your point about, like, who you're competing against? I had someone on the podcast, they had a great quote, which is, yeah, we're not competing against each other, we're competing against Candy Crush. And the point was, like, mm-hmm. your attention that you're, you know, it's it's how are you entertaining people, how, how are you right. using their time? Right. Anyways, you said a couple things I want to dive into. Yeah. Um, I mean, let's go first into the customer. You talked about the customer experience. So talk to us about the art.com customer. Who are they? What's the insight? What are they looking for? What's the, what surprised you? Yeah. Well, I think, you know, a couple of things that, that a lot of people don't know about art.com. So, I mean, first, you know, we're the largest global online provider of prints and reproductions, um, online and we, so that means we have over 20 domains globally. And they're not all art.com domains, right? So we have art.com domains. We have allposters.com domains. We have a burgeoning B2B business where we serve um, businesses, uh, interior designers, art consultants, and businesses. And so so one thing that I think a lot of people don't know about us is that our customer is a global customer. And so we, you know, like I said, 20 plus domains. We ship to over 100 countries. Um, we sell in something like 18 or 19 currencies. Um, so our customer is global. And our customer, uh, certainly on our art.com business, is uh, primarily a woman. You know, she's, she is a homeowner. And she is um, looking both to inspire her family, to decorate her space. And she's looking to really bring her full self 
um, and her family's kind of full self to life yeah. with the art in her home. And and for her, really, art completes the room. Um, and we talk a lot about that, that, you know, and, and we talk a lot about, you know, life being better with art, right? And so, you know, blank walls, we talk a lot like blank walls are the enemy, yeah, um, like you that. know, and and that that you really feel the difference in a room if the if the art if there's not art in the room and if the room isn't completed in that way. So she's trying to do that. Um she's obviously got a lot, you know, here in the US, um, you know, for our US uh, art.com customer. She's got a lot going on. She's super busy. And um, she over indexes on, you know, education, on on economics. And um, she has kids. So when I think a lot about sort of her pain points, right? Um it's really about time and ease. Um, because she knows what she, you know, she knows that she has a style and um, she knows that she wants to express herself. She knows that, you know, her home matters to her and, and she believes that art really can enhance her home, but she doesn't have a ton of time. Um, she certainly doesn't have a lot of time to be out roaming galleries and not because she doesn't want to and not because she doesn't love the idea of it, but it's just not what she has time to do in all of her spare time. Um, but she wants to know what's latest and greatest. She wants to understand the trends. She doesn't really necessarily want to be like bleeding edge trend, yeah. right? But she also doesn't want to be behind. Um, yeah. And I think that's actually a pretty cool thing about, you know, our our customer, right? Is that, and, and it's not to say, I mean, we certainly have, I mean, you know, we've been around 18 years, so we definitely have customers. You'll probably get an email from someone who's like, I am bleeding edge. Um, yeah. So we certainly have customers who are, you know, really pushing the envelope. Um, and we have others that might not be. But I would say in general, in the U.S., she's, um, you know, she she wants to be um, forward thinking, but she doesn't need to be too trendy. Right. And, and her and, you know, I would say, like, she started to really settle into her style um, you know, she's not necessarily like still exploring her style. Um, but what's interesting for her is that there's a lot of life changes, right? So having children, children getting older, children moving out, parents moving in, selling houses, right? Like, so it, it may not be so much that she, she, her personal expression has changed, but it's more of that things in her life are changing, yeah. uh, which creates a lot of really interesting moments for her as she's thinking about her home. Um, so that's our, that's primarily our art us customer. Yeah. Yeah. So you have a very clear picture of who it is. Yeah. And I like that. We think about like, her a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. sort of wants to be somewhat contemporary, not too, not too forward, but definitely not older. Is there, is there anything that like surprised you or like you kind of expected in sort of buyer behavior coming in here? Uh, yeah. You know, it's really interesting. So, um, so one of the art.com founders, Josh, um, he and I have talked about this a lot, that. I think one of the things that's really important to us here at art.com and has been um, part of our DNA since, you know, he founded the company um, is that, that we aren't judging you and your choices. Yeah. Right. And so I think what I find surprising is, you know, when I go to Ohio and see our, you know, see the art that's being printed um, you know, we hand make all of, you know, we custom frame everything. So we yeah. make everything by hand in the United States. Right. Um, and so I'm there on the floor and, and, you know, watching folks, you know, like joining and sawing and yeah. printing and Did you stretching, I, you know, they don't want, they don't, who don't, they don't want people who don't know what they're doing yeah. to like monkey things up. So, but what I, what I thought was really surprising in a really cool way is just like, 
the diversity, the creativity, how our customers, just with simple framing choices, are making something that might seem like, oh, everybody has one of those. But actually, when you frame it that way, it looks really unique. Uh Or when you or you can see that clearly like a few things are coming together in a set and they've put together something contemporary, something from maybe a different genre, from different artist types, but they framed it all in a way that makes sense and it looks really stunning. And and to some degree, like we would never know how to do that. Like we wouldn't be able to dictate that for them because it's about what's right for them and, and their personal style. So we certainly have a point of view because that's how we select the art that's on art.com and how we select the framing options and the sizes. But but I would say what I find really cool and surprising is like our customers are so creative. Their choices are really diverse and um, how they put things together, how they custom frame um, how they choose pieces that work together is, is, is by no means generic, by no means common from customer to customer. It's, it's extraordinarily different from order to order. Um, and I think that's just really neat to me. That's like the whole power, the whole point of art is that it's not, you know, Ethan's decision or Kira's decision or Gary or who, you know, or James or whoever it's like, what, what works in my home? what's right for my space, what makes me feel, feel meaning when I wake up in the morning, when I walk into my hallway, when I open my front door, when people come to visit, when my kids wake up and that's so personal. Um, And for us, I think that's really cool. I mean, we have access to a billion images um, in our assortment, right? So how many? A billion. A billion. Yeah. So we, we can offer like an extraordinary assortment to our customers yeah. to, so that, you know, you really, you're really getting something, you know, unique. unique yeah. And so talking about a billion choices, I mean, you know, they, there's this theory on the paradox of choice when you go and there's, you know, 15 different toothpaste at the grocery store. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How do you do with a billion? Yeah. Well, we certainly don't show you a billion. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm mean, right. talking about like, do you, yeah. do you help people through like recommendations or like, I mean, let's get to the sort of technology piece yeah. and, yeah. you know, how, yeah. how do you see, how do you use technology help narrow down that choice to help people find what they like to help people engage. Yeah. So we've made very big investments this year in, um, in search technology. So that's, that's been a a big part of um, making it easy, you know, really being the easiest way for people to discover um, and enjoy art in their lives. Right. Um, because yeah, I completely agree. I mean, the last thing you want someone to do is like a billion. What? You know, so we talk a lot about, we have, we have, you know, access to a billion images and just exactly the right ones for you. Ooh, um, and great, yeah, and, and, I, and I think that's that's the right way to think about it, right? Which is, it's, I think it's much harder to operate in a world where you're like, I have a hundred and I'll have the one right for you. And you're like, mm, but in the world of like, you know, in the US, 300 million, <laughs> you know, or 150 million or a hundred million, um, you know, potential buyers, like a hundred isn't going to be enough, you know, right. Especially to, to really bring out the, um, you know, I think what we observe as the real unique set of choices that our customers make when they're making decisions. Are there unique things? I mean, sorry, are there, do you see that people, like, do people know what they're searching for? Like they search for like, blue abstract dog, you know, from a Minnesota artist, like how do they, mm-hmm. how do you help them dive into that? Earth? Yeah. So, so, um, 
uh, this is kind of one of those annoying answers. Um, it's, oh, it, it's it, it depends. Okay. Well, no, it's I would that was going to be my second answer, uh, but um, yeah, I would say that it really depends. I yeah. mean, again, because we've been around for, I mean, we've been here for eighteen years. Yeah. Um, you know, so we have eighteen years of customer search history uh, and customer preference data, and we have access to this gigantic assortment. Um, and so what we're continually working on is how do we combine all of that data yeah. to make both searching and browsing much faster, easier, and, and more delightful. Um, so that's why I say that it's like, it's kind of that annoying, like it depends because yeah. um, one, because humans are so unique and art is so unique yeah. that it's not actually as easy as you would think it would be to like aggregate searches um, so we definitely see people search by size. That's not a huge surprise, right? So what I would say is like, if you think about her, um, and she I, have a name. Um, she has one, but I'm not going to tell you. Okay. So, um, so if you think about her, there's actually like a couple different versions of her, yeah. and these are not uncommon, especially in the real world, yeah. and they're not uncommon uh, in my experience in tech. So there's one version of her where she like exactly knows what she wants. She has a space over her bed, her lip, you know, the room is like a light blue for sleeping. And so she wants, you know, certain size, sure. certain color, maybe she'll pop a style in there, but she might kind of leave it as it is. Yeah. Right. Um, and she may, or she may be really, really specific, right? Like, I mean, my, I mean, this is, you know, cure data point of one, but my son is obsessed with wolves. Don't ask. And so I knew exactly, it was like, I want a realistic wolf photograph of yeah. a certain size and it's going to be in a room that's blue. So it, it can either be photorealistic or it can be black and white. Um, and I can have a level of precision because I knew exactly what I wanted. And she can also be in the same, by the way, setting in the same session, she could have an exact idea of what she wants and inspire me. Right. And so that makes our job really hard because <laughs> it's actually not that hard to like solve the exact search problem. Yeah. And um, because we've been doing that for a lot of years, I mean, my engineers would tell you it's hard. So I would say it, it's not that hard because we've been working on that a long time. Um, where I think we're getting a lot better um, and and we've made a lot of investments this year is more in the zone of, you know, more in that spectrum of inspire me more in that spectrum of um, kind of more fuzzy matches as opposed to exact matches with the data. So we can start to expose her to maybe something she didn't think she was exactly looking for, but it's kind of interesting and close. Um, and then based on her behavior, how do we learn more about what she what she's really tuned into right now? Right. Uh, yeah. Um, and and I think to me, that's one of the reasons why I mean, one of the many reasons I took this role is that, I mean, it's like one of the most fundamental and most fascinating intellectual challenges, which is like, how do you help someone articulate taste, desire, beauty, yeah. inspiration yeah. online? So you, you've been yeah. doing this for a year, so yeah. you, you have the answer, right? <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to tell you. No. Oh, my gosh. I didn't know there was so much off the record here. Mm. Um, no, I'm kidding. But, you know, I mean, and I think to me that's what's so interesting yeah. about this work because 
um, because we're not an arbiter. We don't actually want to be an arbiter, yeah. right? We we don't believe in that. Um, one, we think there's plenty of people who do that, um, but also two, that's not what that's not what our what we've observed over 18 years. Yeah. Customers want to make their own decisions. Yeah. They might want some help being guided and they might, they might want some education and understanding and some inspiration. But in the end, this is going in their house. Yeah. Actually, what's super interesting is that we've been talking to a lot of customers about like, like how much do they need or want or desire, um, you know, social proof, um, you know, getting like having my friends tell me if this is, should I buy it or not? You know, that kind of stuff. And I cannot tell you, it's actually really interesting. It, this is one of those things where when I worked for, um, at Intuit and I worked with Scott Cook and he would always talk about like, what's surprising, you know, kind of like your first question, what surprised you or yeah. what were you expecting or where are you seeing big, you know, um, uh, opposite ends of spectrum. Mm -hmm. And this is one of the places that's super interesting because some people are like, it's my house. Yeah. <laughs> I'll do what I want. I'd, I'll do whatever I want, you know? And then other people are like, well, I'm interested in knowing something's popular sure. and maybe that'll help me make some decisions. Yeah. But it, what's super interesting is how, I mean, of course people want to feel validated when other people come to their homes. I mean, actually your home is more, there's a ton of research on this, which is really interesting. Your home is more, uh, many people consider their home more of an indication of their self-expression than their clothes. Just super interesting. Yeah. And so... And their walls probably more so than their furniture. Right. Yeah. And so so I think that um, there's certainly a component of this where people do want validation when someone comes mm -hmm. into their home is like, ooh, that's really beautiful. Yeah. But in the discovery and purchase part of it, they're making their own decisions. Mm -hmm. Which is which is super interesting. So so I think coming back to technology, you know, I mean, it's probably a lot of the buzzwords that you've heard. Which I mean, you know, I've been around for twenty years, and so they always kind of make me throw up a little bit. But um, you know, it is. I mean, we do have a big data um, set of challenges, which is awesome. I mean, we have you know a billion images. We have all the attributes that go along with a billion images. We have all different ways that those images can be manipulated, whether it's um, how you service it, the size you choose, yeah. how you put them together with other things, right? So it's, you know, there's a, I mean, and that's a myriad sense of data. And then you combine that with like customers and their data, yeah, right? Um, so you're kind of like the net, you know, what Netflix did or Spotify with like having... Yeah, I, you know, I think it's interesting. I actually, um, and when I say this, you might laugh, but I do think of us more as the Amazon of art. Okay. Um, and, and because when I think about Amazon... Um, and, you know, I think all of us are, you know, active prime members and use it constantly, especially this time of year. But to me, what they did, what they do brilliantly, and, and again, why I come back to being customer driven, is that they're customer driven first, technology to support it, right? Yeah. So you don't hear them that much anymore talk about their amazing recommendation engine, because you just, it's just is amazing. Yeah. I mean, it's like part of I mean, it's just one of the many things that are amazing about Amazon. And yeah. and I think they are a great example of a company that um, is just customer obsessed and doesn't take any customer pain lightly. I mean, they certainly have to prioritize even, you know, yeah. with their enormous set of resources, but they still have to prioritize. Yeah. Right. Um, but prioritization or not, they still take all the customer pain as as real as real pain. Right. Mm 
Um, and I think for us, it's very similar, which is that we have, um, you know, this extraordinary assortment um, with a lot of complexity and really bringing technology solutions to bear to make that experience easier, faster, and, and more delightful. So it is, you know, there is some combination of like Netflix, Spotify, because there's recommendation engine, but that's certainly not the only thing sure. that we are, right? Yeah. Um, and I, yeah. I think I think what's exciting is, is that given you have such a large, a billion images, and it isn't so that, the, you know, the reproduction space versus original, is that it, it's it's kind of like I was thinking, because we're in Oakland, of Moneyball, and, you know, mm-hmm. the, the Oakland A's, and how... Right. They, My they husband use, would be so happy right now. He's a huge. They use data to yeah. help you know draft players. Yeah. And baseball, what's unique is is that it it has a, a, lim, a more limited number of variables than like other sports. Right. Right. Because right. you're starting in the same place, and so like they were able to do that. Although it's been brought to basketball, less so football. Anyways, my point is, you are it is fun because you have so many images, you have so much data, um, but in some ways also limited variable. You can really start to look at making those recommendations. Um, you know, based on data. Right. Right. You know, and we versus do versus like original art, which could be, it's, it's a kind of just a totally different game. Yeah. And I, and I think that, um, what it also allows us to do is evolve the art as you evolve as a person. Yeah. And so I think one of the things that's, that's super interesting, um, as we talk about, you know, the different age demographics within yeah. our, our, her, right? That um, certainly the, what I would describe as like kind of the 35 to 64 homeowner, you know, she's got kids and her style isn't done, but she's pretty comfortable in her style, right? Mm -hmm. A little younger is still figuring out her style Mm -hmm. Um, and her style is evolving. And I think is also, um, it's important to her that she has flexibility. And so I think that's the other thing that's really cool about what we do, and and especially about prints and reproductions, because it's extraordinarily affordable. And so it gives you the opportunity to, I kind of call it like, try it on, you know what I mean? Like, try on that you know, try on some abstract. It's actually not that scary. Um, And you'd be surprised how much you like it when you have it in your home. Um, Or you, you know, you might think you don't love impressionist art because it feels kind of old and stodgy. But when you do it in a really modern frame, you do it in unique sizes with unique cuts of the matting and, and, or, and in, in many cases, you've had some kind of personal experience with you know, Monet's Garden in Giverny or seeing the work, you know, yourself at a museum in San Francisco or DC, or, you, you know, you've connected meaning to it, um, that you can, you can have that art with you for a while and, and you can move it to another room or you can donate it, or you can give it to your kids or you can, you know, you can really like explore yourself through art. Yeah. And, and I think that is, um, something a lot of people don't realize is a really, is, is an important part of like how you bring your own expression to life and, yeah. um, and that it's totally okay. Yeah. And that when the art is affordable, it's actually like, it's, you know, what I would call like perfectly normal. Like it's perfectly normal to change things out with, with art, especially that you get from art.com because we're not talking, you know, 5,000, 10,000, hundred thousand yeah. pieces, hundred thousand dollar pieces. You know, it's, I mean, you can get a really beautiful, affordable 
piece of framed art for under $100, under $200, under $300, right? I mean, you can certainly spend more. We're happy if you do. You can certainly spend more, um, but you also don't have to, and you can really sort of explore yourself. And I think that's, I'm super excited to see, you know, back to data and like bringing this full circle from a tech perspective that um, what's, what's really I, I think powerful about the role of data and a and a broad assortment applied to the data, vice versa, is that it also allows for a lot of evolution mm-hmm. as for you as a person um, or facilitates it, right? And that I think is like super fun. Now, for all of you listeners who are looking to replace your boring IKEA poster or add another piece to your collection, Bango can help. Bango's revolutionizing the way we discover art. They use machine learning to recommend art that you'll like, augmented reality to let you visualize that art above your couch, and live chats that you text directly with designers, all from your iPhone. They made finding my first piece fun and easy. So don't wait. Visit bangoart.com or download the app on iTunes and use the promo code state of the art for 15% off your first purchase. Now, back to the episode. I heard you saying that you talked about apps, leading an app. So you recently launched an app that hopefully no one deleted. Tell us about that. Like what made you go into mobile and, and what took you so long? Well, it didn't take you long. What yeah, took yeah, yeah. What took art.com yeah. so long? I mean, I think that um, mobile in general, um, not just mobile app, um, you know, there had been prior to me, I would say there'd been some decent debate internally about, um, and, and I think fair debate about, can you really have the best sort of non real life experience with art on your phone? And, you know, having come from just prior to art.com, a company that's only on mobile. Basically only mobile. In yeah. fact, um, early on when I joined, I was talking to to uh, the founders about something that I thought we needed to do on lift.com. And they were like, well, you know, I mean, only up until like six months ago, you know, so this was now three years, so three and a half years ago. We didn't even have a website. And I was like, what? You know? <laughs> Wow. And so I used to laugh because I would go to these conferences where people were like, we're trying to become mobile first. Um, And I was like, wow, we are mobile. I mean, you know, I was just like, it's such a different paradigm. So I that and to me, that was one of the things that I was excited about coming to art because um, because I believed having just spent not just at Lyft, but at Trulia, you know, a good chunk of years, either entirely mobile or not, you know, omni-channel with like a really heavy bias toward mobile. And again, being customer obsessed, it was like, this is how people are spending their lives. They're spending their lives on their phones. My sister's 10-month-old was like holding a phone while we were changing her diaper, you know what I mean? And yeah. watching the video, like, you know, we we live and breathe with these these phones. They inspire us. They make us laugh. They make us cry. We're looking at pictures all the time. You know, we're looking at things visually all the time on our phones. Um, and so for me, I think it was less about an app versus mobile web, um, though we've made all of the above significantly better, um, but really more about coming back to the customer. How is she spending her time? She's out and about. She gets inspired by pictures all the time, whether it's yeah. Instagram, Facebook, WhatsApp, messaging, you name it. And so 
by definition, she'll be inspired by a really beautiful art experience on her phone. So we started investing in that like almost from day one uh, when I got here. So improving our mobile web experience um, across all these domains, which you can imagine is like no small task, um, starting to lean into building our first set of apps. So we actually started with all posters first. Um, and that gave us a really nice um, sort of training ground for um, then what we launched with art.com. Um, and then you'll con- you'll continue to see us sort of leaning into mobile into 2018, both apps and, and mobile web. Yeah. So it's uh, the idea there's like cap- capturing the inspiration they see on the go and then being able to maybe find something that they like. Yeah, I mean, I you know, yes. And also I think just being an experience that's really delightful on your phone, yeah. you know, and that it's super easy to, you know, be- big, beautiful pictures. I don't know if you've, if you've uh, spent some time on art.com on, on just mobile web lately. Um, but we've completely overhauled um, the search experience and the browse experience. So you get these like big, beautiful, full bleed pictures of the art in yeah. the feed, you know? <laughs> like in the, you know, in the set of search results. And it's like really go- like it's like, gorgeous and inspiring and it makes you want to click and learn more. Right. Yeah. Um, we've made it much easier to service your art from, you know, the the mobile experience. So it's super easy to to frame it, to mount it, to put it on acrylic, canvas, et cetera, super easy to buy. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we're not done. I mean, I'm obsessed with making it as, as good as good as possible and, and keep getting better. It's good news uh, for all of us. Yeah, good news for everyone else. And then, you know, I think with the app, you'll you'll definitely see in 2018 um, more functionality that, again, comes back to, like, solving that ease problem around yeah. art and that makes sense within the context of a native app. Um, I think for us, what's important is... Can I for, guess as to what that is? No, you can't, because <laughs> okay. I won't tell you. But <laughs> but I think what's important, and again, I've learned this lesson like a bajillion times, is that you can't just go after something because everybody's doing it. Sure. You really have to say like, okay, of the trends that are occurring or are starting to occur, mm-hmm. which ones are really, again, going to solve a real problem for customers, yeah. right? Um, and, and I, you know, not only have I seen this mistake, I mean, I've made this mistake, you know, right. Like we, we tell the story all the time that, you know, a million years ago at Intuit, we launched a community to help new businesses get started. And we, um, launched it with, um, basically like the ability to do, um, like tagging and bookmarking. Cause that was like the hot thing back then, because it was like the days of Flickr. Yeah. And we didn't launch it with discussion forums because we were like, well, that's like old. <laughs> and it was like, you know, you might, I mean, you know, tree falls in an empty forest, like nobody flocked to this community. And then basically the second we turned on discussion forums, people were like, oh, this is awesome. This is exactly what I needed. Because instead of, instead of saying like copy paste what's hot and trendy, we're like, well, what is, some, what do new business owners need? They, they are not surrounded by people who are running businesses for the most part, especially think like, you know, this is 2006, right? So, and not Silicon Valley, but like the average small business owner and they're working all day. So what, I mean, we saw the most activity at night, right? Yeah. Early in the morning or at night. Um, and we're like, okay, so if you bring tech to bear to like the real problems and yeah. not just what's like sort of sexy and hot. Yeah. So you can't lift, which was like you said, they didn't have a website, but it's a mobile app. But really, it was this combination of online and offline. It was just yeah. a great tool yeah. to get someone in two minutes, and then an offline experience. I mean, how does that play with sort of you know Art.com 
and, and people order online and then they get something that is, you know, physical and in their space. But yeah. that's sort of that experience. How do you think about that? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, again, it was another reason why coming to art.com really resonated for yeah. me because I, I, I do um, love that we sell a thing, Yeah, you know, and that what we sell you has, um, I mean, we have extraordinarily high net promoter scores. Um, we have a very, very low, like well below um, uh, average, re- I mean, way below average retail refund reship rates, like teeny, teeny tiny. Um, so our quality is off the charts. And that's a real testament to the team in Ohio, our team in the Netherlands that services uh, Europe and, and the rest of the world. And so I think there is something really powerful and important about um, the fact that what we sell you is like in your living room, in your kids' room, in your bathroom, you know, et cetera. And it's something you're going to look at every day. So we're, we are maniacal about quality. Uh, we have, uh, you know, we just brought on our, our new senior VP of ops, Quentin McCall, um, from like many decades at places like Sony, you know, really starting to employ, you know, take what we've been doing with quality and, and, you know, continue to bring it up a notch. Um, we're, we are obsessed with it as leaders. You know, we like pour through all of the customer feedback that we can get our hands on. We're aggregating it to identify trends and issues. As soon as we spot one, we're addressing it. We have a killer service organization. Um, and so I think for us, it's just, you know, it's really, it was like true pride of work. Um, and when you see the folks who work in, you know, like I say, in Ohio and Netherlands, we have a, a great service organization in Raleigh in North Carolina. And there's so much pride in what they do because they know that what they what they're doing is something really personal for you know for our customers. That's a great feeling. Yeah, I'm excited. So I'm yes, excited. I'm excited about nail, nail on the head on enjoy. That's a big word we use around here. Yeah. So I, I read a tweet which talked about um, the it was a quote I think that from the CEO of Lauren Wolf where you talked about you know you only go to a retail store if it's a truly special experience. Mm-hmm. Do you, do you think about, I mean, either at art.com or just generally like how the offline plays a role? I know you guys have done some pop-ups in the past, mm-hmm. um, but sort of there's a lot of talk just across industries, but in the art space of this sort of combination of online and offline and how they play together. Yeah. You know, so I think this, this kind of comes back to what I was saying about this kind of fundamental intellectual challenge, yeah. right? Which is, which is that, um, you know, it's, it's a, it's an experience. Art is an experience. Yeah. That is intensely personal, um, very visual, um, very emotional, emotionally resonant, and our day jobs are online. Yeah. <laughs> so you know how do we how do we find that you know sort of Venn Venn diagram? Um, I'm very focused on the the digital you know our digital yeah. experience because I think there's just like we have so much runway, we have so much more we can do to make to to bring that kind of emotional resonance more to life, whether it's mobile, desktop, combination of all of the above. And I, you know, and I, and I think that, I don't think that means there's not a role for live experience in art. Um, But I would say that from my perspective, certainly for 2018, we've so much opportunity to bring more of that to life online. Um, And when you think about kind of the other big, you know, trend, which isn't really a trend, but just like a reality, which is extreme convenience, right? Um, and that this, you know, the two-minute lift ride, the like I can land in a city and I can get a hotel room with the swipe of a of an app, yeah. you know, the, I mean, you know, depending on which which online service it is. I mean, it used to drive me bananas a little bit in a funny way of like I can get cookies delivered to me between like 1 and 3 p.m. 
in San Francisco. That that startup shall be unnamed. But you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like you can kind of get anything you want delivered to you pretty much yeah. whenever, wherever you want, if you are in a certain set of cities. And even if you're not, you can still get a whole lot of things to you really conveniently. Yeah. And so I think we need to be mindful of that as companies that if you are creating, and this is the reason why her, uh, when she spoke at this conference, really resonated with me. If you're, if you have an offline experience, you need to be thinking really deeply about how you're making that so special that it will counterbalance the extreme convenience of all of these other, you know, things that compete with your time and your money and, and how you participate in the world. Right. Yeah. Um, but you know, this has been true. This has been true for a long time. And again, you know, you can edit this out or not, but my husband and I have had this debate and I would say it's not really a debate because now I've won, which you should keep this part in. Um, but since the late nineties, because I mean, this has been true since the late nineties. I mean, I, I wish I kept it, but I did pick up a street team flyer for a company then named Amazon still called Amazon for like buying books online. In the, you know, in like 1998 or whatever year it was, wow. right? I actually really wish I'd kept it. And, and it, it would probably be worth something. Um, and, uh, and I can remember, and I was in fashion at the time. So I was in, we, we were a wholesale business, but I was, you know, in retail stores a ton. And, and even back then it was like, you know, a lot of these department stores, I'm like, they are junky. They're like the merchandise looks terrible. It's all over. I mean, it's like some of the, the biggest most famous department stores in New York City. You're so excited and you get there and it's like things are all over the floor. Yeah. Can't find anyone. Yeah. The the um, changing rooms are dirty. Lights don't work. You know, you have to try like four credit cards because their machine only takes, you know, two or something like that. I mean, you know, and that, that was like 1999, you know, right? And I remember coming back from one of those trips and saying to my husband, my boyfriend at the time, like, it's it's going to be one, it's going to be one or the other. It's either going to be convenience, price convenience, or experience. Yeah. And if you are somewhere kind of munged up in between, you are not going to make it. It might take a long time, which has been true, sure. for it for you to like die. <laughs> but it's going to happen if you don't find. I mean, and and one of my favorite examples of who's nailing it on experience is anthropology. I mean, I don't know if you've been to some of their new stores. I mean, the one in Walnut Creek, have another one in in, uh, in Palo Alto. I mean. First of all, you walk in, everybody's happy. Everyone is like, because it's like you walk in and there's like air plants everywhere. There's furniture, there's beautiful clothes. There's like, you know, you can really, I think in the one in Palo Alto, there's a restaurant and it's just like, you want, you really, you want to spend time there. You want to be there. You want to shop. You want to look at things. You want to touch everything. It's like they, they are nailing it on experience, just nailing experience. And then you go into other stores, shall not be named. And it's just like, it all looks the same. It's junked up. It's crowded. It hasn't changed in it. Like it's tired, you know, and you're just like, why would I, I mean, I can kind of get a lot of those same things online. So why do I need to be here? And I don't have time for this. And, you know, you should write them a note and tell them that they are, they're going to die soon. Yeah. Well, Um, not anthropology, but and the reason why is because back to this idea of like the bar for easy keeps getting higher and better and the best companies are are either meeting it beating it or they're the ones who are setting it yeah so that that bar this price convenience bar it's not like that's staying static right that's like increasing 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 and so 
if your experience is not holding up to that, yeah. right, um, then, you know, it's it's hard to win, right? It's, I had a conversation with someone the other day about that quality going up. And it's a real challenge, actually, for, I mean, being here in Silicon Valley for startups because everyone compares you to Facebook and Lyft and Google. And that's like a really, really high bar and it continues yeah. to rise. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. You know, how do you, how do you, you know, make your site as fast as it is? It's not going to be, but. Um, so, you know, I, so I have a, I have an opinion on okay, this. I mean, you it. can use this yeah. or not, you know, it's just for fun, but. We're going to use it um, So I, there, there's a, and I, I, I'll try to find the name of the book, but there's a great book um, that came out kind of around the time that we were getting ready to launch Lytro. And um, it was all about uh, one of the reasons why America is great for startups and small businesses and entrepreneurs is not just sort of, you know, the education, uh, you know, educational opportunities, university systems, funding, but actually consumers, there's a higher percentage of consumers who they describe as adventurous. And so I've, I love this idea of adventurous consumers. And if you are a startup, so, you know, back when, when it was, you know, my early days at Lytro, I mean, you know, we were like bleeding edge camera tech um, with components that, you know, came from like the founders hoofing it throughout Asia to find, get what they could, you know, right. And like did something really amazing. I mean, brought to the world light field photography, multi-dimensional data capture. I mean, it's like extraordinary, mind-blowing stuff. And and yet at the same time, you're like, it's not going to hold up on speeds and feeds to even like a lot of basic cameras if you were to compare it in that way, right? So that's why we were always like, this is a new category of cameras. It's not because we're, we are capturing fundamentally different data. So I, the reason why I share that is then when you start to think about, you know, this, like, who are you, who, who are you obsessing about, right? You can't, I mean, we actually pretty quickly decided we can't obsess about the hardcore, like camera, you know, prosumer. He is probably going to buy this camera because he's going to just want one for his kid, you know, and it'll be like something cool to say he has. But he's not going to be somebody who's using it. And we need people to use it because the whole beauty of the camera was the pictures you took and interacting with the pictures. It wasn't yeah, yeah. the camera itself, right? And so, and then we were like, pretty clear it's not digital mom because this camera was not, the first rev was like not going to be easy enough for her to do all the things that she needed to do. And this was, you know, before people were using their the camera on their phones really, you know, it was very hard, common. Hard for people listening to I know, to it's this. hard to imagine. Yeah. There was a time when you held a camera and a phone. Um, and so so we t- we got, were very crisp on our who, you know, as a sort of a creative professional, um, certain uh, certain um, geographies, sort of certain, you know, we had kind of this like vision of like, you know, the creative director for like a cool ad agency in Chicago. It was like, imagine that, you know, right, yeah. San Francisco. And, and that they're, they are adventurous. They want to try new things. They want people to know they have something new. They want to be exploring new uh, forms of experimentation and, ex- and, and uh, expression. And those people existed, right? Um, and actually, like, a good number of those people existed, which is pretty cool and exciting. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think for folks who are starting something new, you, again, it comes back to like, what is the problem you're solving? What's that unique value you're creating in the world? And then how do you get crisp on 
that customer hypothesis of the kind of customer who's going to be most willing to be adventurous with you. And it's not always like a tech adopter, you know, type, right? I mean, in fact, this for us, it wasn't necessarily a tech adopter. I mean, they were someone who would be comfortable with tech. They didn't have to be like a gadget freak. In fact, we were like, if they're a gadget freak, they're not going to take good pictures. So (laughs) they need to be, you know, they need, they need to be, I mean, that that's not fair. Maybe you should edit that out. Like they might not, it might not be because they're about great taking great pictures, just that they're collecting gadgets. Right. Whereas like we really, again, it's like we, for this camera and, and really more importantly for the light field photography to be something meaningful in the world, you have to experience the pictures and you have to be inspired by the pictures. Right. Um, so anyway, so I share that because I think for folks, like it's okay that you're not already Lyft or you're not already, you know, Facebook. And in fact, if you talk to the founders of Lyft, they would—I mean, they will tell you a lot about the early days and how challenging they were, that yeah. they weren't already yet the perfect thing. And in fact, they'd say today that they're still always working on making it better and being obsessed with making a better experience for drivers and passengers. But they were delivering a fundamental service and value that no one else was and then working really hard to make it better. And I think I think that's that's possible for for startups no matter where the bar is. Yeah. But then you have but you have to know the unique value you're providing and then have that crisp mm-hmm. hypothesis on these adventurous consumers. And they exist they they exist in the US um and and from this book anyway there was a hypothesis or or data that suggested that there's a higher percentage of those kinds of customers in the US which makes mm-hmm. us more um more ripe for innovation. That so we seed innovation because we find people who who want to be who are willing to try. Yeah, who are willing to be early early users, right? Of, of the experience. That's, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was like really, it was like, a, and it was kind of it kind of came up. It's I'll have to find it. It's like uh, adventurous capitalism or something like that. Right. You know, right? Um, and actually, I think that's one of the reasons why San Francisco is such a in the Bay Area is yeah. such a neat place. Um, Austin, I think, is another example. You know, Silicon Alley, another example where there are these pockets of places where I think people are like they're picky and they're willing to try new stuff. Yeah. You know, and they're willing to give things. We'll, we'll, put, we'll put the uh, the name in the show notes, but I'm yeah, I'll, I'll find it. Yeah, I'll find it for you. Great. All right, so we talked about you know the change that's happening. We talked a little about 2018. I mean, how do you see technology continuing to change our ecosystem? You know, five, ten years out. I mean, people talk about VR, blockchain. I mean, are there, are there areas that you think are interesting that will come into sort of the art world? Yeah, I mean, I think that um, you know, I definitely think that um, something will happen with virtual immersion. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's going to be exactly what we're seeing today. In fact, a really good friend of mine uh, put it well. And he said, in fact, it's kind of similar to this idea of like people comparing things to Facebook and being like, what? So everybody can kind of compares current like VR systems to like Gen 1 iPhone. And his point of view, which I I mean, and he should know, I won't tell you who he is, but he's someone who knows who, who knows this world well. And he was like, the better way to think about it is like the first handsets you know, those like gigantic yeah. things that, yeah. you know, maybe your dad had or something in, in his car. And, um, and, and like, that's how to think about VR sets today. It's not 
like, oh, they're not as good as the first iPhone. It's like, (laughs) they're like the first handset. And so no one imagined the iPhone or maybe Steve did, but like very few people imagine the iPhone from a handset. And so we're kind of in a similar journey. I don't know if it's going to take, you know, 20 to 30 years like it did from the handset to the iPhone. But um, but I do think that what we're seeing right now with with virtual immersion is such early stages. Yeah. Um, it's so hard for customers to adopt it. It's like breaking like every possible rule of adoption, you know, like big hunky thing on your face. But um, but I don't think that means there's no role for it. And it, it will it, it is going to be a really powerful force for humans, right? And so my view is that because it'll be a powerful force for humans, it's going to be really important for art. And I think it's just way too early right now to know where it actually lands um, in terms of like, what is the experience people are going to have? And so we're keeping our eye on it. I mean, we, you know, Clio is a a product that, you know, we've had for for a long time. It's all, you know, digital art. Um, And so, you know, we're obviously paying attention, but I think we're in the handset stage. We're not in the, you know, the, you know, Gen 1 iPhone stage. So it's still got some time to, to like sort out and figure out how customers, like what problem are we solving and and then how's it going to really manifest. But I think that's an important one. I'm, I, I think blockchain um, and the role of, you know, authenticity and meaning, you know, is, is going to be super interesting um, and especially as we think about, you know, an increasingly globalized world, um, I mean, you already see it today in sort of big marketplaces where you're like, why is that 10 cents? You know what I mean? And like, and I think especially for art where like value, um, you know, there's not like, this is the price of art. Yeah. <laughs> and so I think that's actually where blockchain will become super interesting. Um, and Again, I don't know if it's something where we have the answers or like we know exactly what it's going to be five to seven years from now. But it's coming. But its role in yeah. meaning and authenticity, I think, is is going to be is going to be big. I was just thinking, have you seen this video on the next Rembrandt? Where they analyzed, you know, all of his paintings and then they 3D printed a, a new Rembrandt. Yeah, yeah. I was just thinking, with all the data you have, you know, you could start using that with machine learning, which is what they did, and print art. There's literally four people, one of a kind, yeah. based on their data. That's 2019. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, I think, you know, so we obviously spend a lot of time talking about, like, what is the role of humans? Yeah. You know, when, when you think about the world of self-driving cars and, and that kind of thing. And and I, I definitely believe that there's going to be, like, cool tech that will create cool stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think nothing will compare to what, human like to human creativity Um, and in fact i think you know at some point in like future work it may very well be the case that the most creative people are the ones who have the most opportunity which is a super different from the strongest the smartest you know potentially it's the most creative because it's that like the soul of the human right um and you know, I don't know if that's going to be true or not, but I, I tend to believe that that um, you've seen machines to some degree replace strength um, or change change what we need strength for. And yeah. um, we're certainly seeing machines changing what you need smarts for. Um, I mean, that's like happening at an accelerating pace. Um, but I, I think it's I think it'll be very hard for a machine to replace creativity. 
I don't think it means there will be no role for machines in creativity. But I it's think it's interesting. Sure. You talked earlier about fashion, what Stitch Fix has done, where they use technology to help drive recommendations, but the human is, is always that last mm-hmm. mile or the last touch point. Well, and there's two touch points, right? There's like the, the stylist, yeah. and then there's the person who gets it at home and yeah. is like, does it work for me or not? You know what I mean? And then how she or he puts it together yeah. with the rest of his or her wardrobe and everything else is like totally unique yeah. to that person, right? Hey, but it's such to start to do is they start to give data to designers mm-hmm. and say, hey, here's this. Yeah. yeah like we're yeah. not exactly like creating it for you. We're just giving you some parameters around yeah. like what might be popular. Yeah. I think about it as like machine assisted human. Yeah. Right. You know, where it's like. Cyborg. Love it. It's, Comingart.com. All right. Put, put the put the things in my contacts. Like you, you really want it. All right. Before I let you go, and this has been too much fun. I could stay here all day. Can we do a quick rapid fire? Sure. All right. First question. What is your life motto? Um, living the dream. Living the dream. When will Duke win the next championship in basketball? <laughs> um, oh, I don't want to jinx it. Uh, uh, I'm going to say 2019 because I don't want to jinx 2018 when we're going to win in 2018. He's got uh, a killer class. He does. And uh, and, and that's it. Or I was going to say the last one would be, do you ever think art will be as popular as music? Yes. Yeah? Absolutely. All right. When? I mean, it, well, it was more popular, right? Sure. Right? I mean, if you think about, I mean, in history... It was much more popular. But now it sort of surpasses. Do you think it comes back? Yeah. I mean, I guess what I would say is that, I mean, I don't, I'm not sure how, um, this is much longer than a rapid fire question, but um, it's sort of like define popular. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't know a piece of music that's sold for $450 million in auction. Good one. Burn. All right. (laughs) So, this is a, this is such a redundant question, but I was gonna say, where can we find you? You know, art.com. That's pretty easy. It's at art.com. That's right. That's the e- easiest answer. And, and one of the most beautiful things about this business. It, it is beautiful. <laughs> art.com is where all of you listening can find um, art.com, the company. What about you? Where can where can listeners find you if they want to contact or reach out to you? With, Life advice. Life advice. Yeah. So I'm on Twitter at Kira S W, um, which is actually the same handle. Is that K I R A S W? Um, and that's kind of the handle I've had for a, a silly long amount of time. Yeah. Um, I'm on LinkedIn, so people can feel free to you know connect with me on LinkedIn. Happy, happy to do that. Great. Well, this has been so much fun. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. It's been great. All right. So don't forget to visit art.com at well art.com. And find Kira on Twitter at Kira SW. That's K I R A S W. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please rate and review it. Leaving a review is super easy and it helps listeners like you discover the podcast. Oh, yeah. And don't forget to check us out at State of the Art on Twitter for behind the scenes photos, a sneak peek to next week's episode, and really cool art videos you're going to want to show your friends. Thanks again to Van Gogh for sponsoring this episode and to all of you for listening. Remember, if you're an artist looking to create more or a buyer wanting to enrich your home with original art, visit vangoart.co slash podcast and save 30%.